our trophies. We lay down our crowns of God. For no one can exalt him or herself before you. You reign above all. You reign above all. You reign above all. You are the king of glory. You are the king of glory. You created the mountains. You created the valleys. You created the sea. You made us a God. You gave us the breath of life. You have given us victory by your blood. We ascribe all the glory to you. Be enthroned today, Lord. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to look at the verses 2 and 3, again, Paul says what he said in 1 Corinthians 11. For what I received, I passed on to you. Are you following it? As of first importance, look at it. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Look at that carefully. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. If you start from the verse 2, he's describing what is called the gospel. So it is in threefold. Who has caught it? The main theme of our gospel. The first one is that Christ died for... That's the first one. And what is the second one? He was buried. And what is the last one? Friends, anytime you hear about the death, anytime you hear about the burial, anytime you hear about the resurrection of Jesus, there must be something within you that will spark joy. Because this is the core of the gospel. Take everything out. Take this out and we have no gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. The totality of this is again what Paul sums up in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Has somebody come to the victorious God today? Thanks be to who? God. For he gives us victory. Victory over sin. Victory over diseases. Victory over weaknesses. Victory over failures. Victory over disappointment. Victory over disengagement. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you hear my voice, receive that victory. In Jesus' name. Now sit up. For what we want to share. I've realized that despite this victory. And I've realized that despite this announcement, proclamations and the faith we have. In our earthly body, we groan. Because in our own small way, we experience some forms of failures. Do you all agree with me? I remember coming across a gentleman who was very powerful. Great man of God. Servant of the Most High God. Very powerful with a healing ministry. 
And his messages were to the extent that it even spoke against the use of medication and all that. Very powerful. Then I was thinking about it. He's very careful with his diet. So when he's eating, he's very careful to ensure that he's got all the nutrients. Then I turned to him one time saying that, yeah, I get your position about this medication, but do you know that that food is also medication because essentially medication is to bring in some extra chemicals into your body. Therefore, if you want to really say that medication is not required, then don't eat at all. <laughs> do you get the logic? Don't eat at all. Because in as much as we're not taking the chemical substance, taking anything internal, taking anything in is adding something to the body. So that's a form of medication. But the point I was trying to make, and as much as I believe in that, I see that in our earthly body, we're grown. There are times that you wake up, you feel very weak. There are times that you even struggle before you pray. Am I speaking to only saints who have not experienced this before? I do. I do. There are times things hit you. You become very upset. You have to control yourself. There are some news that you hear, and friends, it has to take extra grace. A few weeks ago, I was on a trip with a beloved brother, and we lost him on the way. We traveled together, but we didn't come back together. Early in the morning when I called our chair to inform him that this is what has happened on the way, friends, I, I've heard the news, and it took me about... Say five, ten minutes, processing it. Do I tell the driver? Do I tell the staff? I was seated at the back just reflecting on it. Then at some point in time, I felt no. They heard me on the phone, so I have to tell them. So I asked the driver, please park. And literally, I wept from the core of my heart. I thought that was over. When I called her to inform him, friends, I couldn't control myself. I was weeping ceaselessly. But this is somebody who a few hours ago, was involved in a very powerful retreat and how God moved over there. The point I'm trying to make is that in our earthly body, we're still grown. How do we balance the victory we have obtained in Christ Jesus with the realities we experience in life? I therefore want to share with you briefly what should be our response to pains and sufferings. There's a woman that up till now, when I reflect on the pain she was going through, coupled with the fact that I know we are victorious, and I believe that we are victorious, we are indeed victorious. They were in their living room, talking, I mean, everything was fine. Within a few minutes, they couldn't see their son. In a short moment, they had a knock at the door by the police, and guess what the news was? A lorry had just driven past the four-year-old boy. Do we say that she had not prayed enough? And do we say that on that particular occasion, Satan has conquered? How do we balance this reality? I remember taking that body to the burial ground with the family. As I held the body, I told the sister, I don't have much to say, because sometimes the best remedy is to be quiet. But just to assure you that one day you will see your son in a very glorified moment. 
you will not remember our pains anymore. One day we will all be crowned in glory and we will understand. Even if we don't understand, the joy of our new moment is good enough for us not to think about what has happened in the past. How do we respond to pain and suffering? I pray that the grace of God will find us as we prepare our hearts. Open up your hearts and let us engage with the word of God. It's a very difficult and sensitive subject in that we all go through. But sometimes when you are a leader, you will have to. And sometimes people play the superman. <laughs> the superman. <laughs> Only to realize that it doesn't work like that. We need extra grace. A drop of grace into our spirit to quicken us in the midst of crisis. But my question, which I'm trying to answer, is when crisis hits, will you still remain in Christ? When crisis hits, will you still remain in Christ? It's all good to come to church praising, dancing about the testimonies. But when the reality of life hits, will you still be in Christ? What should be our response in times of crisis? There are many responses we can give, but we want to share just four out of it. The first one is to remember that naked we came in and naked we will go out. For those of you who are writing or recording, this is extremely important. Our first response should encode within our spirit the concept that naked we came in and naked we will depart. Taken from Job chapter 21. The first part, Job states that naked I came in from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Let's sit up for insight into this. You see, the story of Job, some would argue that is poetic in that it wasn't a real thing. It's like someone trying to describe what is likely to happen to human beings. And therefore, he gets into the core of Job's sons and daughters who were feasting and drinking in the oldest brother's house. A messenger coming to say that, oh, there has been an attack. The Sabians have made off with the oxen they were plowing with and the donkeys which were grazing by. Then he says, I'm the only one left. Then he moves on. Another one coming to report that the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. Then another time, the Cardians formed their raiding parties and swept down all your camels. I can imagine how Job was feeling. And the worst of it is your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners. Then he would say that you've lost all your children, but I am the only one who is left to come and inform you. Job's response in the verse 21 was that naked I came in from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. You know, earlier when I was saying that people think it's poetic and therefore it wasn't real, but James clarifies that in James chapter 5, verse 10 to 11. In James 5, 10 to 11. James 5, 10 to 11. James 5, 10 to 11. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now look at it carefully. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance. What is that sending to us? He's saying that is a reality. Something happened. 
and he persevered. We have heard of Joe's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Can I announce that there is what the Lord finally brings about? <laughs> there is what the Lord finally, finally. So it may begin well, but in the middle you may face challenges. But I announce this morning that there is what the Lord brings about finally, finally, finally. I was telling a friend that, yes, I may struggle learning. It's very difficult. Sometimes you doze off by books here and there. You sit in the exams rooms and you know that you're struggling to pass. But on the day of graduation, which is the finality of the learning and the exams and all the results and all that, finally you are crowned with something. This is why I know that despite the challenges and the troubles we go through, there shall be something called finally the Lord brought about victory. Finally the Lord brought about something that you will rejoice about. Friends, we must conclude with our whole heart, the first point, mind and spirit, that we came in naked and we will exit with nothing. Please take this point carefully. I've described it as entry point zero. Exit point zero. Do you get it? If you've ever been to the hospital, I'm sure most of us would have had this experience You've seen a baby. Our pregnant women, sisters, mothers, wives go to the hospital. And at the point of delivery, you see how helpless they are. The babies come out and they need the support of midwives. I don't think anyone was born with any complex thing of life. I don't think anyone was born with houses, born with certificates, born with job titles, born with corporations, born... He says that naked I came in, I entered in zero. Nothing. Do you get the logic? And you see, if you enter in zero, it means that you have no contract with anyone to even live. Are you getting it? I entered in zero. It means that at the point of delivery, the one who brought me in could have taken me out. I entered in zero. I had no contracts with any company. So you see, if you understand these things, it springs great humility in your spine for you to say that anything I receive in life is as a result of the blessings of God. I have no right or access to them. I've walked from some opportunities when there were struggles around that. And it was based on this understanding. At one point in time when someone was struggling hard to take it, I went back to him saying, a friend, you can have it. Please take it, take it. The one who gives is big enough to give me another one. I came in zero. And what Job is trying to say is that the same way we came in, one day in life, we will also be exiting with that same point, zero. I remember when I called my dad, he was seriously in pain. And I knew he was going. I was far away from him. 
So I wanted him to share certain things with me. Where is this? Where is that? What do we do? Where we pick this? Where we keep this? And all that. But I tell you, dear ones, for those of you in today's service and those of you listening, I clearly deduced from the conversation on the phone that none of my questions was relevant to him. He had no business with my questions because he has started a journey that has an exit point, which is zero. I'm yet to see someone who is passing away and is grappling or holding on to something that this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. The hand just flips off like that. Entry point zero. Exit point zero. And therefore, we must be careful how we approach life. If in the midst of our victory by faith, we lose certain things, let us remember that we had it by grace. If the Lord himself decides that he will deny us of certain things. Let us be humble and say, the Lord, naked we came in. <laughs> you see, when someone is pushing you tight and he realizes that you are not worried by what he's doing, what does he do? He stops. <laughs> he stops. Whoever wants you to get worried sees that you are not worried. You are even excited. The purpose has failed and therefore they will change their agenda. But let me say this carefully because there is a tendency in the context of what we are sharing for you to live a loose life. No, not at all. Bible says that the memory of the righteous will be blessed. So live your life in such a way that indeed you will become a blessing to your generation, to your children, to your family, to the world out there. Because Proverbs 10:7 indeed says that, we must become a blessing. And when people mention our names, they must mention it with blessing. Also, Proverbs 13, 22. But all must be done with the understanding that we will not depart with them. And we will be held accountable. Anytime there is an issue, check these three things. We are still on the first point. Naked at entry, naked at exit. In other words, entry point zero and exit point zero. Anytime there is an issue, as a believer, check these three things. The first one is, is it coming as a result of my own mistakes or doings? We don't have much time. We would have gone into the depths of it for you to know that all challenges, issues are as a result of, firstly, Adamic sin and continuous sin. But in our life, there are secondary causes based on the first one. The first question to ask yourself, my dear one, is, is this sin caused by me? Did I make any mistake? Was I supposed to do something that I have not done? It may be your health. Have I lived carelessly? Have I not exercised enough? Have I not been conscious of myself? Am I getting the repercussions of my own actions? Is it because I was too angry and that is why I, I, I'm receiving this result? What is the cause of this Failures in my marriage. Take your time and reflect. But as you do this, my dear ones, you must allow the Holy Spirit to scan through your life so that he will bring into memory some of the things that you have to deal with. In saying that, clearly, there are other times too that the things that come our way are not as a result of our mistakes. The second question to ask yourself is, there is someone I've said it here before. His CV defines him clearly. 
that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy? Has he come into my territory to kill, to steal, and to destroy? You've got to check that. The first one, if it is about your own doing, then you have to ask God for forgiveness, for mercy, and grace to carry on. But the second one, it is, if it is as a result of a satanic attack, a demonic attack, it is not in any way saying that as a believer, the thing will overcome you or what, but sometimes it can waste your time. We are called not to be ignorant of these things. There are times when you study the situation and it's not going on well. Arise as a believer in the name of Jesus and deal with the situation. You can be an army general, have a gun by your side and be playing the weakness of a starter army officer and you'll be shot by a junior rank person. We hold our victory. We've been given all the weapons of life. And there are times we must stand as believers and claim our right. Take our authority. Take possession. Say that, yes, we are people in charge. You see, you must balance what I'm saying carefully because the earth is the loss and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24 verse 1. We are the children of the one who owns the earth. So we walk into things as heirs, people who have rights and access. Do you get it? Therefore, if there is any authority or any command, any voice, contrary to the voice of our Father, you do not keep quiet on it. When you have checked yourself, you've checked sources to realize whether it is of you or of the devil. If you realize that it is of the devil, my dear ones, don't joke with it. The third one. You've done your first one, you've done your second one. There are instances in life God allows certain things to train us. To make us matured. So that we will not boast. We will be humble. You know, in the case of Paul, he said he prayed three times. He wanted God to take it off him. He did all he could. But the response to his prayer was that my grace is sufficient. There are times we have to come to God saying, Lord, your will be done. Your grace must be sufficient for me. Lord, help me pass through. Good as it may sound, my dear ones, fellow believers, saints, the truth of the matter is there are instances God does not take the issue or the problem away. In his sovereignty, he allows it to be there. But he doesn't leave us like that. He comes into the situation with us and he gives us something called grace to endure. If it is not your fault, if it is not a satanic attack, and it is of God allowing the thing to be there so that you mature, our response must be a humble approach to him saying that God grant me grace. If you are going through anything that is of yourself, may the Lord grant you a heart to repent and change from it. If you are going through anything that has a satanic an uh, undertone, a satanic hand about it. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive power to overcome. Amen. And if it is the Lord allowing it, receive grace to go through. We must understand that ultimately, entry point is zero. Exit point is zero. The second major point, our response to pain and sufferings, despite our victory, is to view all challenges all problems as opportunities. 
A very, very deep concept, but it's the truth. Contained in every problem is an opportunity. When man sinned in the Garden of Eden, problems were given birth to. But out of the grace of God, embedded in every problem, God gives opportunity to people. Let's sit down for this insight. I worked with a group of people, and the only word I heard from my superior was, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. I, have mo I had moved from one place to the other. Two other places were always talking about problems. The reason why we cannot do certain things. You see, this is why we cannot do this. You see, this is why we are that. This is why we are black. This is why we are in Africa. This is why we are this. This is why we are that. And you see, I had full lectures of why we cannot become who we should become. I changed scope, got to another place, and all I heard was, oh, wow, immediately you start talking the pro about the problem. Then, you, oh, wow, this is a fantastic opportunity because we can do this, we can do that, we can do this, we can do that. Then I realized that a group of people have understood that embedded in every problem is an opportunity. Anytime there are crises, the one who is able to identify the opportunity out of the crisis goes ahead of his people. Not long ago, I was at a place very, to be honest with you, you look around and you ask yourself, what good can come out of here? Right from road to lifestyle to career, profession, education, the lack of resources. And I remember in a gathering, one of the young guys asking that, so what can we do? You see the situation around. We don't want to do anything positive. We don't want to go to school. We don't want to do this. No, no, no. All we can do is the little we have. Then the Holy Spirit gave me insight that the challenges around is the very reason why you must do well. <laughs> do you get it? Because if you're looking for roles to be made, that's the more reason why you must work hard to study civil engineering. If you're looking for farmlands to be developed, that's the more reason why you must study hard to do agricultural science. If you're looking for better healthcare, that's the more reason why you must now engage in nursing midwifery and medicine and pharmacy and all the health-related programs. You do not redraw from what you are to do and wait for the problem to swallow you up. Every problem that comes your way has in it an opportunity, an opportunity. I came across a sister whose life had deprived her the environment she found herself had deprived her of any progress in life. But in God's own wisdom, something changed about her. That brought about freedom for her to become the one that God wants her to become. And this sister was still thinking about, if it had been this, if it had been that, so look, the doorway has been opened to you. Let us learn to understand that out of every problem, there is an opportunity. Can we humbly turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28? Romans 8, 28. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, can you shout with me, all things? Shout it like you believe it, all things. He's not talking about some things. So they're all over there, it's qualifying good and bad. 
You see, in Paul's writing over there, he's not interested in the sources of things. He's not interested in whether it's from my dad, my mom, it's from that person, it's from that person, it's from my color, it's from my education, it's from this, it's from that. He swallows up sources and causes and calls it all things. So what he's trying to say is that as long as I have signed up to God and I'm deeply rooted in Christ, all things, all things have a mandate to do something for me. Hey, are you getting it? All things have within them a certain DNA code. And the instruction is that they must work together. That bad thing, that good thing, that failure, that disappointment must be connecting with each other for my good. Do I have a believer here? They will work together for your good. The delay will work together for your good. Even your ill health will work together for your good. The disappointment will work together for your good. Hallelujah. Friends, when I understood this, I do my part. The three things, I do it. Then I leave the results to God. Then I walk at places and I see how people are fighting to oppose. Then in my head, I say that, do you know that what they are doing, <laughs> they are only working together for my... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I even one time missed the flights. Devastated as I was. Then this scripture came to mind. That it is working together. It is working together. Can I get a good child of God shouting that? It is working together for my good. Kayabaso. <laughs> for my good. <laughs> for my good. <laughs> for my good. For my good. I one time even failed in an exams. Friends, these things are deep. It's not in any way saying go lazy. No, I did all I could, but I still failed. But you know the outcome, if I had passed, I would have gone in a trajectory contrary to where God wanted me to be. Because I failed, I was stopped. But I did not let that problem overcome me. I saw it as an opportunity of taking another route. You can block the road over there. I will look for another route. Because it must work together for mine. Hey. It must work together. When you get these concepts, they may block you in one direction. You don't go back morning saying, why can't I go on? No, not at all. You open your heart, heart asking God, where are the many other opportunities I have not yet found? Because this top must work together. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let things connect together for your good in Jesus' name. Let me just touch on the third one. On the third one. Our third response, my dear ones, should be that we must recognize that there are post-resurrection benefits. Post-resurrection benefits. The Bible describes it this way that if all we are to become or expecting are these earthly things, then among all we are the most to be pitied.
But in our case, we have a package I've described over here as post-resurrection benefits. Benefits. In that, apart from what we receive over here, there is a certain container somewhere loaded with some goodies that even if I have not achieved much over here, there is something awaiting me. You remember what I explained last time that the totality of our being is contained up there. All our prayer does is to get a download of a percentage, even a small percentage of that thing that is contained up there. It's just a small download. The full package is up there. So when you go through things, remember that there is a package up there. In fact, the reading of John chapter 11 verse 23 would help, but we don't have much time, so we will skip that. But essentially, Jesus was telling Martha that your brother will live again. There is life after here, my dear brothers and sisters. We will rise again. And because we will rise again, dear ones, let us be careful. We will be back to the show. Did you hear that? We will be back where? To the show. This will not be our end. I will be back to the show. In glory. In a body which is no longer containing pain. Jesus Christ demonstrated this in what I call a prototype of Lazarus. You know what a prototype is? If... For example, we want to make this microphone. It's likely that they will do one first, test it, and see that it works. And once it works, what happens? They are able to produce it in mass quantities. Therefore, Jesus gave us a prototype of Lazarus, who died and on the fourth day, after he had been buried, he did what? He came back when he said, Lazarus! Come back. He came back. Lazarus is a prototype of the mass of all of us who one day will hear the sound of the trumpet and we will come back to the show. We will come back to the show. Prototypes are a validation of the mass. Therefore, if Lazarus came back to life, it's a clear evidence that we will be back to life. We will be back. We will be back. We will be back to a better place. John's revelation, Revelation 21 describes that. Let me take the last point. Our response to pain and suffering, it will be helpful for us to realize that we are not in these problems alone. You aren't in it alone. <laughs> when I was very young, I was working as an engineer and a senior technician somewhere. And in it, I was struck with a problem and I went to him. He was called Uncle Akon. Uncle Akon, how do I do this? He's a nice, fancy man. <laughs> he responds with <laughs> something that caught my attention when I grew. <laughs> Every question I asked Uncle Akon, hey, young man, mojo <laughs> mojo. So I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> I've got my own problems. <laughs> I've got my own issue. Leave me mojo mojo. <laughs> Never, ever think you are in it alone. That's what Satan makes you feel that everyone is doing well. <laughs> it is well with everyone. It is just you going through it. That is a lie from hell. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, then we end. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Look at the verse 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. After the faith, there's a full stop. But Peter is reminding the church that there's something you should never forget. So he says what? Remember. And what should you remember? That your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world, what are they doing? Are going through the same kind of suffering you are. <laughs> They're going through the same kind of suffering. But he doesn't end it there. Carry on. What is there? In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So that, so after you have suffered, so what you are going through will end in a little while. <laughs> I love the word of God. Sometimes I feel we can sleep around it. He is assuring you that you aren't going through that alone. <laughs> the disappointment, we all experience in it. We have victory in Christ, but whilst we are in this body, he is preparing us to be good people. He delays sometimes, <laughs> but he always brings the best. Then he says that after you have suffered a little while, and I'm concluding with what he will do. What will he do? He will. Oh, come on, shout it out, PIWC Accra. He will. Is anyone here who has suffered a little while? He will. Not just restoring you, he will do something else. When you feel your end has come, what will he do? He will support. Who? What else? You see, you can be restored. You can be supported, but in your very self, you feel very weak. But I bring good news to somebody. What is the third thing? Kabalo Satayande. He will do what? Strengthen. Shall we rise to our feet? This is our package. I want you in a moment, just a minute or two, call on God. Grace to endure. But after you have suffered a little while, he will restore. He will support and he will strengthen you. Ah. Friends, we just have a minute. Cry out to God. Affirm his victory over your life. May After you have suffered a little while. God himself will restore. God himself will support. God himself, God himself will strengthen.